Uh, Want to just say that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in the East Auditorium, we're having kind of a reception for Barb. And so if you can pop by, it's kind of a come and go thing. So just pop in anytime between 7 and 8 and have a cookie or something and say goodbye, give them a hug. They'll still be around. And also the other thing is uh, our interim director is going to be Lisa Christofferson. She's been working with Barb, and so she'll do a great job through the rest of this year, and then we'll see where we go from there. So uh, that's enough of all of that. We're in a series called Off-Road and Going Off-Road and what it means to kind of unplug and get out there in the desert. It's based on the life of Moses and the book of Exodus in the Bible. If you're new to uh, Timberline or you're new to Christianity, maybe you've never even owned a Bible, it's the second book in the Bible. So it's really early on, Genesis and then Exodus. You can open your Bible up. We're in chapter 3, and so you can follow along. We're just going to go verse by verse. But here's, I don't know, I just need to ask you, does technology still amaze you or like are you used to it? I'm amazed. I, I still remember the first time I was so Stunned a couple years ago, I was walking in Old Town, Fort Collins, and my cell phone rings, and I pick it up, and it's my friend named David, and he says, hi, Derry, this is David, I'm in India. And, and for some reason, I mean, India is about as far as you can go from Fort Collins. It's really almost exactly on the other side of the world. And, and I'm walking, talking to someone who's in India, and there's no cables on my phone, there's no wire there, there's, and I'm thinking, how? in the world does this work and aren't you glad you don't have to understand it but you can just use it yeah you know a, a tv that's satellite driven how are those images coming out of a satellite how what is going on with that how how can that happen i think of of uh wi-fi the other day on an airplane you could now they have wi-fi on air, airplanes and i didn't get it but you have to just run your card and then i thought how do they do that I'm on an airplane, I'm running my card to get Wi-Fi. It's all up here in space. I mean, it's just, it was pretty bizarre. I, I started thinking about some of the things that maybe you have done to uh, get someone's attention. And technology is usually involved in that kind of stuff. But today we're going to learn what does it mean to know that God can call us. We've called this message Long Distance Call. Because whether you know it or not, Maybe you don't feel God right now. Maybe you think he's a long ways away. I have news for you. God knows where you are. I've had seasons in my life when I didn't know where he was. It just became a big faith step. But he's always known where I am. And he knows where you are today. So whether you feel it or not, you can have that faith. I've been in a couple moments, times, a couple times I've been in moments where I didn't have technology. You ever gone on a hike somewhere that didn't have cell service or whatever? You almost feel unplugged and disconnected and you can't, you know, and you go, wow, how did they do it? <laughs> you know, how did they do it? Sometimes our journey with God when we go off road feels like that. It's like, I'm not connected. I can't, I don't, I can't get a signal. God, where are you? Are you there? I'm, I'm needing some help here. Those are real feelings that followers of Christ have. I want to address some of that because Moses really felt that way. Number one, in your program on the back is an outline. You can follow along. Number one is God wants to get your attention. He absolutely wants to get your attention. He wants you to believe that he wants to engage in your life. And there are many ways in which God gets our attention. This one in this story is really compelling. 
And let's read it. This is Exodus 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Notice that. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. I think it's just absolutely fascinating that Moses is in the desert, which he's been lots of times as a shepherd. He has seen, it's pretty common out there, where this took place in that valley to have little bush fires, but they, they would burn up the bush, and he sees this thing just off the path. It, it's funny to me, just think of the parallels. It wasn't right in front of him on the path he was walking. It was off to the side. He had to go to it. And sometimes God wants us to kind of get out of the rut because he's really there, but he wants us to make a little effort to go find what, what's going on. He used a common thing, a bush that was on fire burning. Moses had seen hundreds of those. But this one was different. It was like a propane tank under there or something because it wasn't consuming the fuel in the bush. And it wouldn't go out and it wouldn't go down. And he became curious. God uses your curiosity to get you to where he is. Think of that. It's powerful. When God saw him coming... <laughs> just like that. He's like, I see how my plan is working, you know, it's dropping the carrot every little, so many feet, and we follow, and we find that place. And God knew Moses would be there, and then he speaks to him. I bet Moses was happy he was all alone because he's talking to a bush that's on fire, right? Here, hello? Here I am. Wow. He's right looking around. This is an amazing thing. It's a strange sight. God will go to extreme measures to get your attention. Have you ever gone to an extreme measure to get someone's attention? I had a friend who hired a plane, and they tied a banner on the back, and he was going to propose to his girlfriend, so he put her name and will you marry me? And then he hired a pilot to fly it around behind the plane, and he was going to drive up over on Taft, and it was going to fly between Loveland and Fort Collins and they do these circles and it worked perfect and she looks up and sees it and here's her name, will you marry me? And he drops to his knee and she said, yes, thank God, it would cost a lot of money. <laughs> Man, you better be sure. I've heard of proposing while skydiving or scuba diving or a big car, new car with a red bow. They're just extreme ways to get people's attention. God is not afraid of going to extreme measures to get your attention. And here's the big picture, just so you can see it if you're not familiar with the story. God is about to begin the process of moving the Israelites out of Egypt. How long had they been there in captivity? Anybody remember? 400 years. Okay, that's a long time. And God's about to move them, but he needs a leader. He's picking Moses for a variety of reasons, which we'll talk about in these next few weeks, because Moses is going to constantly argue with God that he's the guy who can do it because he feels insecure. He feels like he has a speech problem. He has some kind of impediment. He's a stutterer. And so he, he just doesn't feel like he's the guy. My point is this, regardless of what you feel about yourself, God 
will use you as a leader with something or someone. You say, well, I don't lead anybody. Yes, you do. You lead something or someone. All of us do. And so keep that in mind. God wants to use your influence to make a difference. It might not be that burning shrub, but it might be something else, and God's going to put it in front of you. Number two, God wants you to know who he is. Yeah, he, he wants, he, he definitely has that first one covered. He wants to get your attention. But secondly, he really wants you to know who he is. Look at verse 5. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. There's a moment here when he's so humbled by the presence of God that he's thinking, I can't, I just can't deal with this. I can't do that. This is impossible. This is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and Moses is overwhelmed. And sometimes, you know, the take off your shoes thing, there's many countries in the world right now still that if you go in to pray or you go into certain mosques in the world, you are required to take off your shoes. They consider the ground holy. Well, this ground really was holy. God really is there. And Moses takes off his shoes, and he identifies with this being really a God moment in his life. It's just amazing to me that God, the creator of everything, is so personal to us in our personal lives. The third thing I want you to know is that God wants to empower you. Empowerment comes in different ways, but... This is where the story starts to happen and God starts telling him what he's expecting and Moses is going to have a problem with it. Let's read it, verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. We, we call it the promised land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the, that's a lot of ites. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, look at verse 10, this is very important. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. Big gulp in Moses' throat. Right there, I promise you that stopped it all. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Moses is right now freaking out. <laughs> He's like, I don't think so. We're going to see it in his response in a minute. But, but the cry... This quote from what I just read, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. That's what God said. Now, I don't know if this bothers you. It bothers me a little bit, and I go through these stages when I'm bugged more. Why is that cry reaching God 400 years later? Does that bother you at all? Or, or at least create a... Curiosity, like if I say, God, help, does it take like 400 years for those voice vibrations to get to wherever God is? <laughs> and then I'm dead, and he goes, oh, oh, too late. <laughs> no, no we, 
We believe it's instant. God knows. But I, I can still remember being overwhelmed with why God doesn't respond sometimes. My, one of my first, I mean, I grew up following Jesus from the time I was a little boy. I've never really walked away from God or backslid or any of those phrases. I've never really been a prodigal. And I've just trusted God my whole life. But I don't know, five or six years ago when we went to India to look at human trafficking up close and personal, and we went into that red light district in Kolkata, and they wouldn't let me out of the car, this big American, and, and I saw these little girls standing in front of these brothels, and I, I saw how they were used, and they're, they're little. I mean, they're just little. And I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't get my head around it. I started crying. I started praying. I said, I'm going in there. They're like, no, you don't get out of the car. That's dangerous. And I just can't tell you how bad I wanted to be God because I would have wiped that whole district out and felt really good about it. But I'm not God and I have no power to do that. But have you ever seen a situation where you go, I can't believe God's not let, he's letting that happen. And that's why people have a disconnect with God because they see injustice and they don't have the faith you have to believe God uses us to help redeem. God's, why couldn't God just bring an explosion and Israel runs out of Egypt? No, he's calling one man to lead them out. God's purposes are different. He knows stuff you don't know. There are plans that he makes that we don't have anything to do with. I love the story my friend tells. His name's Gene. And it was a wintry cold day and he was in elementary school and he had to walk about a half a mile to school. They lived out in the country. And he was really scared on this day. It was still dark in the morning, and his dad said, nope, you get out there and you walk to school. And he said, but I'm scared. He said, you do it. You're a little man now. You need to overcome your fears. And his dad was pretty tough on him. And he, he recalls getting his little lunchbox and his coat and gloves and hat and walking outside and looking back at the house and plodding up over the hill, nervous and scared and running a couple times because he wanted to hurry. And what he didn't know was that his dad was out the door the first turn and watched him the entire way until he got to school. But his dad wanted him to experience that fear and press through that fear knowing he was safe that entire time. And I don't know that that's a picture of God always, but sometimes I think going through suffering experiences, going through things that bring fear or anxiety, God is with us, he is watching, he is not given up on us. I know that God intervenes sometimes not in the timetables we want, but he's always there. And you do need to know that he uses us as agents to make a difference. If you weren't here last weekend, Jeff, Pastor Jeff did an amazing job talking about suffering and where God is. He even talked about the Holocaust and what happened and how so many people came to faith in that time of suffering. And I don't know where you are today, but I encourage you to know that you have a God who loves you and believes in you. The fourth thing in your outline is this. Moses has an identity crisis. Now, <laughs> this, this story starts to get kind of fun because Moses is going to get into an argument with God. Just keep in mind, he won't even look at him before. He's so humble and fearful. And now he's talking back. Okay, so he's, he's come a long ways. Verse 11, when he heard about the Pharaoh thing, that freaked him out. And he, he suddenly just says, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? You have to understand, Pharaoh was ultimate dictator. 
If you were having a bad hair day and he didn't like it, off with your head. I'm serious. No one would question it. You could do whatever he wanted. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. <laughs> and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, he, what's he do? he's living this out in his mind, right? The God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replies to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> that, that's not very helpful. That's not a name. I mean, I think when you think about it, you hear that. <laughs> Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent you. Well, why couldn't it be George or Alex or just somebody? Here's why it's so weird. Because the Egyptians were polytheistic. They had all kinds of gods, hundreds of gods, and they named them all. And so to, to say, I am has sent me, is kind of vague because that, that's not really like a name. It's, it's more like a verb, you know, or, you know what I mean? And so, so this is awkward. I'll talk about that more in a minute. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Wow. Now, names, names are getting more bizarre. You young couples in here, I mean, when I, when I see what some of you name your kids, <laughs> I mean, it, how many of you are with me on this? It's just odd. It's like, it's like a season or a, a star or a planet or, or something. I mean, you can name them whatever you want. I have a weird name, Derry, so I, I get it, but, but it is kind of odd. But I have to tell you, I, I had my first Bonnie and I, you know, I told you a couple months ago we're going to be grandparents. We're very excited about that. And our, our kids, Brent and Erica, uh, are going to have this child around October. And they came to us a while back and said, we want to invite you to the gender reveal party. <laughs> have you heard of this? I, I had, a matter of fact, I, I was kind of confused. It sounds kind of naughty, like <laughs> gender reveal saying to Bonnie, can we go to that? Gender reveal party. So we ended up being able to host it at our house, and it's really fun because what Brent and Erica go to the doctor, they find out what sex the child is, but they tell the doctor not to tell them. And they give the report to one of Erica's best friends who is the only person who knows. And the doctor tells her it is a... So she's got the information, it's sealed up, and then you come to this party, you walk in and they have this, you know, station where you sign in your name and you have to check the box, do you think it's a girl or a boy? Then you have to go to this other area and you have to pick up, they're on a stick, either like a, a set of lips that you hold up to your lips if you think it's a girl, or a mustache that you hold up if you think it's a boy. <laughs> so, so you're having this discussion, this party, why it's a boy, why it's a girl. Everybody's, you know, saying, no, it has to be this, and everyone has an opinion, and they don't even know. And so then you eat, and then you go out, we went outside, and, and the friend had put in a box, taped the, the string to a helium balloon in the bottom of the box, so it would pop up about three feet, either blue or pink, right, boy or girl. So everyone's going to find out at the exact same time. So we go out in the yard, Eric and Brent pull the top off the box, boop, we're going to have a grandson. Yeah, it's exciting. Really exciting. 
But you know, I had voted that I thought it would be a girl. Because I have like four sisters, I'm the only boy in our family, and so I just thought it's got it's going to be a girl, but it wasn't. That messed up. That messed me up. I always thought I was being led by the Spirit, <laughs> and that's the point I'm trying to make. Moses, he's logically going through what the truth looks like when you face Pharaoh, but he's not taking into account that God has a plan that supersedes Pharaoh. Because that's why faith is so important in our walk with God. That's why it's a muscle that has to be exercised, is because sometimes being right in the will of God doesn't always feel great. And there can be suffering, there can be hardship, there can be trial, but God is still with you. What kind of name is I am? Let me just walk through a couple minutes. The Vulgate translates it, that Hebrew phrase, I am that I am, as we said it earlier, it translates it. It, I am who am. The Septuagint uh, translates it, I am he who exists. The Arabic phrases these uh, letters in Hebrew, the eternal who passes not away. The Jerusalem Targum paraphrases these words as, he who spake and the world was. He who spake and all things existed. But probably the original meaning of this phrase is this, I will be what I will be. It's God basically saying, I have ultimate authority over everything. I have never been born. I have always been. I will never die. I will be what I will be, and he'll never cease being what he has always been. And we can't quite grasp that. We don't fully get that. We don't understand it. But it basically means he has all authority for all things. The reason it makes it difficult for us sometimes to understand where we are in life and why God doesn't seem to be helping us is because sometimes there is silence. Sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer we pray because it's a bigger picture journey than that. And, and one of the reasons it's very difficult for us on this earth is, for instance, in my life, the most important relationship I have on this earth is with my wife, Bonnie. And if, if Bonnie asks me to do something for her, I will do everything I possibly can to make it happen. But if I can't make it happen, I will tell her why I can't make it happen. But I won't just go silent. And she would do the same for me. Honey, can you get me a drink of water? <laughs> Honey! Okay, I'll take that as a no. That's what happens with God. We, we put these petitions out there. We, we want to know. We're willing to get an answer. And if there's no answer, we're not used to that. We're not used to the I am who knows all, who's bigger than us, who has reasons beyond our logic. But he does. And he's empowered at levels we can't even comprehend. But he is there. And he cares about us. He cares deeply about us. As a matter of fact, we need to really understand that when we come to God, let's go on to verse 5, or the fifth point. I want to wrap up with this idea. God makes a promise. 
He makes a promise to Moses, and it applies with us. Verse 16. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. <laughs> You'll find out next week Moses is still not satisfied. He's like, I ain't going to do it. That'll be fun. We'll talk about it. Tell them the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. As I was wrapping up my study time for this a few weeks ago, I had a, I just, I just couldn't get my eyes off of that phrase, I have been watching closely. God is saying this to Moses, I have been watching closely. Because sometimes I don't think God watches at all. At least that's my flesh feeling that way. I don't even think he cares. No. He's watching closely your life right now. He might be silent. He might not intervene. For 400 years he did not intervene. I don't know why. I never will. But just like that, God can intervene in your life. And you need to have that faith. And God raised up a man, and it still took time and more suffering. It got worse for them before it got better. But God knows, and God cares. I brought these with me today, because last weekend, Pastor Jeff had you bring a prayer request up to the cross. If you were here, how many of you, you're in here? Or somebody, one of those sticky notes is yours. These are really compelling, and there's some really big stuff on these. Reading through these made my eyes water up because of the way some of you wrote it. The depth of your need is massive. And I said, I want all those in a, in a bag, and we're gonna, as a staff, pray for these over these next few months because this is, this is the burden many of you carry. I've got this sitting on my desk currently because I just wanna be reminded that God is watching. God is watching. You are not alone. No matter how heavy that is or how powerful it is or how much challenge you feel, you're not alone. You just don't know how God may work in these needs and other needs that you have. Let's pray. Lord, it really matters today that your presence warms our hearts. And even if you're silent and you don't give us the answer we want, I just ask for you to somehow let us believe that you are here and that you care and that we are not alone. Let us comfort one another with these words that you are watching closely. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for that. I want to just ask you to have your heads bowed. This is just a personal moment that we often have at prayer time like this. and We call this the living room because we can just really share. And I know it's a lot of people in the living room, but it's between you and God in this moment, and it gives us purpose in prayer when we respond to some of these things. So you don't ever have to raise your hand to these if you don't want to, but you can just in your heart agree. But sometimes I think it's very important to physically raise your hand as a symbol of humility and honesty to say, God, I'm, I'm in on this. And I want to start today with some of you that would just say, I haven't really been connecting with God. 
but today I, I feel like I need a long distance call. I really feel like I need, I need to have God at a, at a higher level in my life. I need to trust him with the stuff I'm going through more than I am. Maybe you've grown apathetic, like it doesn't matter, God doesn't care anyway. But today, you're being challenged to say, God is watching closely. He's closer than you think. He knows and he wants you to reach out to him. He wants you to trust him. He wants faith to grow in you. If you know that's you, would you just slip up a hand and let me pray over you? God bless you. Thank you so much. Lord, we pray. We pray together as a family over these needs, these precious people who are seeking you or just taking this little step of faith to say, I need a long distance call. And then we realize it's not long distance at all. It's closely watching the tears that fall, the sorrows of the heart, the emotion that we bear. You are here and you do care. Be the healer of those wounds. Be the healer. Secondly, I wanna pray for those of you that really need physical healing in your body or emotional healing. You're suffering. The Egyptians were oppressing the Israelites, beating them, physical pain. And if you're going through some kind of an oppression, it can be physical, it can be emotional, that someone's dominating something over you. It's, it's creating anxiety. It can be financial, that it's just, it's taking you out. I want you to give that to God today. I want you to give that oppression. Um, and I want to pray over you. How many of you would raise your hands to that? Just lift it up right quick. Okay. Lord, some of these needs are physical. There's cancer here. There's disease here. There's infection here. All that stuff that is bigger than us. And I just ask you to be a God who heals, a God who truly touches the suffering flesh of our bodies. Lord, for those who are under emotional oppression, for whatever reason, in their marriage, in their home, in their job, in their family, you, you can help them, you can encourage, you can strengthen them. I just pray for the peace of God right now over them. And Lord, if there's anybody in these rooms that just say, I need God, let them right now pray this prayer. Jesus, forgive me of the sins in my own life. I believe you died on that cross for me and rose from the dead. And by faith, I say that and I give you my future and I trust you and I will walk with you the rest of my days. Lord, we pray these things in your name. We ask you to help. Father, we would together pray for the families in these fires in Colorado Springs and around Colorado and this nation, the disaster in Oklahoma and other places. We do pray because there's suffering that is occurring even now. And we don't quite know where that line is between the natural disasters that happen on this earth and your protection over us. It gets blurry in times like this, but we still declare our trust in you. Be close, be with Convoy. Thank you that Timberline is really already there in ministry through Convoy because of how we've supported them all these years. Thank you for that. God, give them favor. The firefighters, the people, the first responders, just in comfort, keep them strong. We love you. We offer all these things in your name. And everyone said amen. Amen. It's fun to journey with you guys. I love you tons. Pray for you. I'm going to keep praying for these needs as well. 
And so uh, let's just be tight as a family as we go through summer. Thank you for your faithfulness this summer. And hopefully you'll bring people with you to church as you have family come and so on. We'll just continue to have a, a great summer together. We're going to take